Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for each and every person here. We never take it for granted, this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to be life into each and every person and that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today they can use. They will be able to use this message and make their lives better. God, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now. They will be able to use this message and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Lift your Bibles up and say this confession with me. Say, this is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God breathed. And I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God has created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus name. Amen. Loved ones, we are having a discussion concerning having the mind of Christ. And we contend that having or obtaining the mind of Christ is a process. If you focus on this first image, it tells us about the process. Obtaining the mind of Christ involves more than just a simple mental change out. It is the alignment of all parts of you with God such that your heart, soul, influence your mind both to think like God and govern your body to act godly. That's a process. In talking through this process, we begin to say, let's look at the three components that exist within an individual. Notice these three components here. We said the three bodily components are your mind, that thing in your head, your heart, not your physical heart, but the, the thing that resides where your passions are, your devotion, and your soul. Your soul being that thing that's the inner you. When we kind of dug into this a little bit deeper, what we begin to discover is that there are some interesting insights concerning these three things. One notable insight is that, hey, they work together. They work in concert. Although they do work in concert, they do kind of coordinate together. What we said was, you know what? That boy there at the bottom, at least on the bottom of this graphic, the soul, he's the ringleader. And that makes sense because the soul is the source or the, 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 the seed bed or whatever you want to call it of so many principal elements concerning you. What are those elements? Notice this. Next image, please, gentlemen. That soul 
of yours. That's the source of your feelings, your emotions, your natural instincts, your personality, your personal preferences, your likes and dislikes. Another important thing, though, is it is your source of sense and reasoning and the home to that thing that we call the flesh. With your soul being the container of so many important items that just kind of make you are make you be who you are. It's not surprising that the soul is the captain of the body. Another kind of epiphany, though, is that the soul, not the mind in your head, but the soul itself has a mind. Listen to Romans, American Standard Version. Romans 8, verse 6, reads this way. For the mind of the flesh is death, but the mind of the spirit is life. Since the soul is the ringleader of the bunch. Take me back to my image, gentlemen. Since the soul is the ringleader of the bunch. Of all of these things, given that the soul, it has all of these components concerning you. It only stands to reason. That if you want to change. The mind that the most efficient and effective way of doing that is to first attack the mind of the soul. You don't attack the head. You attack the source of the mindset, which is the soul. Take me to my next image. So we came up with a simple statement. And the simple statement was this. You got to lose your mind. Not the mind in your head, but the mind of your soul. <clears throat> An expanded way of saying that is this. If you want to embrace the mind of Christ, you have to lose, get rid of, ditch that mind of your soul. Therefore, if you want to change somebody's mindset. If you want to change the way they think up in their head, you have to tap, tap into the mentality of his or her soul. That's why I say that obtaining the mind of Christ is a process. And it is a process that, quite frankly, it requires a change agent to the soul. And that change agent to the soul, given that the soul is an essence within the body, what better scenario than for the necessary change agent to also be internal? Thus enter the spirit of man. Next image, gentlemen. The spirit of man is the necessary internal agent with the ability to introduce an influence that can change the mindset of your soul. For clarity, though, when I say the spirit of man, here is what I am not talking about specifically. I am not talking about gender and I'm not talking about age. 
sometimes when you read that and they put that man on the back of it, it can make you think, oh, well, we're talking we're talking about somebody who's got some age on them. Nope. It can be a youth or it can be an adult. Also, when you put that man on the back of it, you could be thinking, well, is it man? Does it include women? That conflict in that word man, especially dealing with the Bible, when the Bible is really talking about mankind can get confusing. But if you were to really break down the genders in proper terms, you would call a male male man. And you would call a female female man. What that interprets as is a male is the male gender of mankind. A female is the female gender of mankind. When I say spirit of man, I'm talking about you could refer to it as the life source that exists in every human. We good with that? Get my next image, gentlemen. When we think about the different components of man, we've finally reached the point to where now we can talk about the total man. Not talking about arms and legs and ears and feet and eyebrows, but the total abstract man. Loved ones, you are a spirit who lives in a body. Quick sidebar. Notice I say two things, not three. I say you are a spirit who lives in a body. Many have heard you are a spirit who possesses a soul or a mind and you live in about three parts. Keep in mind, I'm not here to draw a line of debate about that. But I am going to share with you how God shows it to me. When you go through this as the way I'm going to explain it to you, I want you to also keep in mind that if you were to listen closely to what I'm saying and you then go back and you look at how people describe the three part man. You might find that we're not that dissimilar. The only difference is, and probably just me being me, I'm a little bit more granular in my discussion. What I'm saying is the mind, the heart, and the soul are all portions of a single unit called the body. But let's get back on our discussion. Loved ones, you are a spirit who possesses a body. When you look at that, you've also heard people say your body is your earth suit. You're familiar with that, right? If we put together some kind of analogy that helps that kind of make sense, we would say this. 
your body or your earth suit or your earthly clothing make you human. Your spirit gives your earth suit life. So just like you could take a, a shirt and a pair of jeans and a suit and, and put it on a hanger or lay it on the bed, the simple fact that they are makes them clothes. But when you put them on, you give those clothes life. That's a distinction. When you have somebody there and you look at their body, that body makes them human. That body has a soul. The simple fact that they have that body, they're going to have feelings. They're going to say what they're going to say. They're going to feel like they're going to feel. They're going to like what they're going to like. They don't like broccoli. They do like broccoli. They like asparagus. They don't like asparagus. They want to hug you. They don't want nobody hugging them. However they are, that's because they have that body. That body has some intrinsic things. But they also have a spirit on the inside. And the reason they can wave at you, hug at you, flip you the bird, whatever they're going to do is because they have a spirit. That spirit gives this shell, this, this suit, life. Because your spirit is spirit. And because, remember, your soul is a spiritual interface, your spirit has communication ability with your body through your soul. Follow me close. Here's where we get into it. Give me my next image, please, gentlemen. Loved ones, when you came out, when you came out the womb, when you skated into this thing, when they said it's a boy, or it's a girl. You were living, and guess what? Your soul and your spirit were in sync. As a matter of fact, I'll say it like this. Your spirit was aligned with your soul, which was aligned with your heart, which was aligned with your mind. Those things were a well-functioning synchronized quartet. It was a beautiful thing. Anybody who's ever put together a team knows when that team's in sync, when they're clicking, it's a good thing. Hey, if you get a bunch of people that's going to do something for God and they're clicking, that's a good thing. They work well. Guess what? You get a bunch of people that want to rob a bank and they do it well, they can do that good too. It's not a matter of whether or not the act is good or not. It says that synchronization breeds efficiency and effectiveness. Yes, it does. That's why a lot of times the enemy is good at destroying your life. He is more dogmatic about being efficient and effective against you than you are about being efficient and effective against him. A person's a person that gets a group of people together and they agree how they're going to work this thing out and they practice and they get it right down pat. That's a hard group to beat. Here you are with all parts of you in sync. Listen, 
like a Swiss watch, just doing this thing. But then here you go. All this is before you say yes to Jesus. All this before you get reborn. All this is before you 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 let the Holy Spirit into your life, into your heart. All of this is 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 right out the gate. But then here you go. Got the nerve to say yes to the Lord. And when you say yes. The Holy Spirit touches your spirit. And at that touch, that spirit begins to shift. Before the Holy Spirit, you did what you did. Before the Holy Spirit, the soul was focused on itself and the spirit had no basis for debate. It's just what we do. It's what we've always done. But then you say, Jesus, come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior, and the Holy Spirit touches your spirit. All of a sudden, what used to be an alignment is no more, is no longer aligned. Next image, gentlemen. Your reborn spirit begins to migrate towards God. No longer self-centered in alignment with your, the rest of yourself. Your spirit begins to make a transition and that migration throws off the alignment. All of a sudden, your spirit man has been given by the Holy Spirit a new view on life. It now has a new vantage vantage point. And from that vantage point, it looks back over at your body, at your soul, at your mind, at your heart. And it says to itself, that ain't right. It says to itself, did, did, did I used to did I used to be over there? It says to itself. Those those rascals need to change. As the Holy Spirit begins to work on your spirit and it gets a vantage point, I, 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 I can't, I, I, we can't be self-centered anymore. Why aren't we God-centered? I think the Spirit says we all need to change. There's a challenge with making that change, though. Them three boys on the other side don't want to change. Your heart, your soul, and your mind, they're set and settled in their way. They're not necessarily interested in changing. They have been acting soulishly all their life. I appreciate what you're saying, dear spirit. I understand you got salvation now. I'm glad you got religion. God bless you. But we're going to keep doing what we always done. But the spirit is saying, I, I don't know, guys. 
I have a new view on life and we need to change. But that body, that body's been that way for a long time. All three components working together that way for a long time. Listen to this. Say this with me. All parts of the body, of the body. that bodily trio, are set and settled in their ways and are not interested in change. I want you to ponder over that with me for a minute. If you were to think about the mind, the heart, and the soul, we could say it this way. They've been boys for a long time. They have been down and as a crew all their life. They homegirls from the block. They've been through everything together. They've been down for a long time. Think about these rascals now. They have been down since the days of diapers and pull-ups. They've been down since the days of bottles and bobos, since car seats and sippy cups. They've been down for a long time. Those bodily components got the same birthday. Those components of the body, they took the exact same first breath. Those are an intricate part of the body that were there at birth. They were born a unit. They were born three in one. They are a tight knit group. They are a tight knit group and they are not interested in change. They have an unspoken mantra. B-F-F-L, best friends for life. They don't want to change. Why should they change? The way they've operated has worked well up to now. Just because the spirit decides we need to do something different. Who made him boss? We follow the soul. Who made him the person to direct what we do? I want you to ask yourself this question. Given that you think about the soul, the heart and the mind as best friends for life. Have you ever seen somebody try to put some distance or stop hanging out with their best friend? You ever seen that? That's a painful process. I'm not talking about a casual acquaintance. I'm talking about have you ever seen somebody try to stop hanging out with their best friend? And you see this sometimes, especially in new relationships, when he or she wants that person to you need to put some space between, you know, 
that that best friend you you got over there. It, it could be for a valid reason. It could be for a, a reason that's not so valid. But regardless of the reason, when that person tries to put some distance between them and their best friend, it's a painful process. The scenarios are, are, are quite simple. She is now dating him. And she lets him know that you need to stop spending so much time with Ricky. And you need to be spending more time with me. Now he, with him logical, with his logical self, you know, I'm gonna do logical, it's logical self. He he makes a decision that he want to step out and explain to her why that request is so ridiculous. Because you know, me and Ricky, we've been boys a long time. We 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 grew up playing in my grandma's backyard. We went to elementary school together. It was some people that tried to jump me in high school. You know who's still by my side? Ricky. Remember that time I told you I wrecked my car? Ricky was the one that helped me get my car towed into the body shop and fixed before my parents found out. That's Ricky. We all got a Ricky. He's trying to explain to her, listen, when I was living out of that same car, Ricky is the one that gave me money to get my own place and kept me at his place until I could. Ricky did that. You don't know what you're asking me to do. Now he and all of his magnificent maleness, he seems to think that he can just simply tell her that example and those things and she would say, okay, silly rabbit. She doesn't really care about how close Ricky is to him. She wants some space. And the simple fact that she keeps pressing him for, for space is painful. Why? Because that bond is close. He's dating her. And he says, you know, it's time for you to put a little space between you and, you know, your girl Shonda. There's no Shondas in here, right? Oh, good. It's, <laughs> you know, and your girl, your girl Shonda. And you, you, I mean, she tries to explain to him, listen, you just don't understand what you're asking me to do. Me and Shonda, we've been down for a long time. We, we grew up, I mean, hopscotch and double dutch on the sidewalk. We talking about that far back. I'm talking about her daddy got her a car when she was 16 and she took me everywhere. And if it wasn't for her, I could never get out of the house because she's the only person my mama and daddy would trust to take me somewhere. Every summer, we got matching bathing suits and went to the beach every day. Every day. Hanging out with our friends, playing, just boy watching. We, that's, 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 that's Shonda. Shonda. Now get this. Shonda's also the person, remember I had that bad breakup five years ago? Shonda's the one that took me in. She actually came over and she stayed at my house for days. Sometimes I cried all night and you know what she did? She cried right along with me. This business I started, I never would have started it unless she pushed me. She was my source of encouragement. She actually gave me the seed money. I would not be the success that I am today if it were not for her. You don't know what you're asking me to do. 
She's thinking that just by explaining it to him that he would relent. But you know what it is? He wants that broken, and that just is very painful. Now keep in mind, the simple fact that someone asked that, the act of someone actually having to put space between them and their very close friend, that act, requesting that of somebody, it may be legitimate. Because that best friend may be toxic to that relationship. And that best friend may need to go. It may be illegitimate. That best friend may be a really good part of their friendship circle. And the person asking that person to get rid of their friend, they may just be jealous, paranoid, and just insecure. But you know what? The point of all this stuff I'm telling you has nothing to do with whether or not it's a legitimate request. The point is that when you ask somebody to break a bond of a close friend, that can be almost unbreakable. A close friend bond is strong. In mind, soul, and heart, They've been down for a long time. They are such close friends. And when the spirit asks them to transfer from being self-centered to God-centered, what he's doing is asking them to misalign something that has been together for so long that they don't want. Why? He is trying to break up a group that that does not want to be broken. That spirit man, though. That spirit man has some extra added leverage. Remember, that spirit man has a connection to the soul. And that spirit man, now the one that's reborn, the one that's been touched by the Holy Spirit is no longer working alone. That spirit man now has the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is the entity, is the thing, is the agent capable of changing the mind of the soul. Listen to this in Romans. Romans chapter eight, starting in verse three. The amplified classic. It reads this way. For God has done what the law could not do. Its power being weakened by the flesh, the entire nature of man without the Holy Spirit. Pause right there. You see that we've already gone through that. But the flesh is the entire nature of man without the Holy Spirit. Sending his own son in the guise of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, God condemned sin in the flesh, subdued, overcame, deprived it of its power over all who accept that sacrifice so that the righteous and just requirement of the law might be fully met in us who live and move not in the ways of the flesh, but in the ways of the spirit. Our lives govern not by the standards and according to the dictates of the flesh, but controlled by the Holy Spirit. Pause right there. Your spirit man is trying to make this shift. Everything used to be aligned that operated in, the, in accordance, with the, accordance with the flesh, but now that the Holy Spirit is there, 
trying to make everything make a shift to operate in accordance to the Holy Spirit. Verse five, for those desires set their minds on and pursue those things which gratify the flesh. But those who are according to the spirit and are controlled by the desires of the spirit set their minds on and seek those things which gratify the Holy Spirit. Now the mind of the spirit, the mind of the flesh, thank you. The, now the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. Pause right there. We saw that the, the flesh was in the American Standard Version had a mind. But now the Amplified Classic breaks that down. The mind of the flesh or the mind that resides in the soul is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. Right. Take me back to my image, the previous one. Sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. Before this transition of the spirit, the soul, the soul completely was okay with whatever sense the flesh came up with. It had no reason to debate and neither did the spirit. Whatever reasoning came out of the flesh, came out of the soul. None of those three, none of that trio had any debate about it. The soul didn't have a debate about it and the spirit didn't have a debate about it because that's what they did. Now, though, because that spirit has been touched by the master's hand. It makes a shift to be God centered. Go back to verse five. Now, let's read it through. For those who are according to the flesh and are controlled by its unholy desires, set their minds on and pursue those things which gratify the flesh. But those who are according to the spirit and are controlled by the desires of the spirit, set their minds on and seek those things which gratify the Holy Spirit. Now, the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. Is death. Death that comprises all the miseries arising from sin, both here and thereafter. But the mind of the Holy Spirit is life. And what kind of peace? Soul peace. Both now and forever. The Holy Spirit is the change agent that can bring peace to your soul. Take me back to my image. I know the soul has a mind. And that mind used to be riddled with sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. But when the spirit man gets born again and introduces sense and reason from the Holy Spirit, that can now affect the soul and give the soul peace. That spiritual transition and the fact that the spirit can interface with the soul that thing now begins to make a change in the soul. A change in the mindset, 
a change in the psyche. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, easy to read version. As the spirit makes strides to convince the soul to maybe, perhaps, even try to seek God, to be more like God, to get in his word. As he continues to push that thing, guess what? The soul begins to shift and have a shift in its mindset. And that godly influence works its way down deep. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, easy to read version. We're going to read this thing together. Here we go. Oh, that's the Amplified Classic. You have the easy to read? Keep rolling. Oh, you got it? Oh, okay. Oh, it's coming. Thank you. <laughs> it's amazing what you, somebody be pointing at you, you don't know exactly what that means. But, ready? Read that with me. Go. God's word is alive and working. It is sharper than the sharpest sword and cuts all the way into us. It cuts deep to the place where the soul and the spirit are joined. God's word cuts to the center of our joints and our bones. It judges the thoughts and the feelings of our heart. Go back to my image. God's word, his spirit, his presence. That thing cuts down to the interface between the spirit and the soul and begins to make a change. God's word can do that. It begins to chisel down deep. Down deep to where nothing else can go. And whereas the soul who had been buddy buddy with the heart and the mind all day life. All of a sudden that soul begins to oh, you know what? I hear what you're saying. I'm starting to get it. I'm listening. That soul begins to have a shift in its mindset. The Holy Spirit is beginning to introduce some things that, guess what? Change its passions. Change its devotions. Change the way it wants to think. Change the signals that it sends upward. All of a sudden, that soul begins to sense a pull towards God. A desire to shift a little to God. And that shift begins to make a change. The change in the way I feel. A change in the way I think. A change in not being so self-centered, maybe I need to focus a little bit more on God. The word of God, his spirit, deep down inside of a person where the spirit and the soul meet, begin to make a transformation. The soul begins to consider, well, maybe, maybe that's where I should be. 
it introduces into the soul a transformation that causes a new order in the body. And that new order in the body introduces a new change. But guess what? Not everybody wants to undergo that change. Remember, that body's been operating the way it operates for a long time. And the heart says to the soul, that's not how we used to feel. The mind says, you know what? I hear you, but that's not how we used to think. The soul says, I know, but you got to understand I'm undergoing a change. I don't want to respond to my senses like I used to respond to my senses. I don't want to respond to my feelings like I used to respond to my feelings. I don't want to act the way I used to act. I don't want to be the person I used to be. I'm getting information about this God that the spirit is giving me. And I'm telling you right now, it's making me want to transform. I want you to come with me. We're boys, aren't we? We're down, aren't we? We're still a crew, aren't we? As they begin to make that change, everything seems well and good, except. The soul is also home to the flesh. And the flesh says no. As the soul begins to want to migrate towards God, the flesh says no. As a matter of fact, the flesh pipes up and says, what is all this tomfoolery? Who in the Hades authorized this? Who, who, who is the one that said this despicable, ridiculous foolishness was something that we wanted to do? Heart, don't you change. I like you just the way you are. Boy, I love you as a matter of fact. I love the way you act. I love the way your passion overflows for me. Don't you change one bit. Mine, keep thinking like you thinking. You and me see eye to eye. I don't understand what's gotten into the rest of the soul, but we are not going to make this move. And so your flesh, even though your spirit has a pull on your soul, your flesh says, no. I'm not making that transition. I'm not going over there. Your spirit is buddy, buddy with God and your spirit is trying to pull the rest of you to be buddy, buddy with God. But your flesh is saying it's not going to work. I don't like this new order. Nobody asked me. I never said I was going to do this. And if this is the way we're heading, guess what? There's going to be a mutiny and I'm leading the charge. Therefore, the things that you want to do, you don't do. And the things that you don't want to do, you do. Therefore, the things that you thought you could do and you felt you were strong enough to do, you can't do. Why? Because there is a war in you.
your born-again, Holy Ghost-infused, God-centered soul, self, your spirit, is trying to drag all of you to be God-centered. But your self-centered nature has an anchor. And that flesh doesn't get saved. And no matter what you do to get the rest of you in line, the flesh is always going to be attached to that body trying to do mutiny on what the spirit wants to do. And that's what we pick up next time. When you talk about the body and somebody tells you, hey, listen, you are a spirit who lives in a body that possesses the soul, I see that more granular. And when you look at it on a more granular basis, you can get a sense of why sometimes there's a turmoil inside of you. Because there are two entities pulling on your heart and your mind. There's a tug of war going on, your spirit on one side, your flesh on the other side, and your heart and your mind and your head are caught in the middle. We'll pick that up in seven days. Let's pray. God, I thank you that each and every person here has a heart that wants more of you. We declare, God, that all we have to do to get more of you is draw closer to you. Your word says that if we draw near to you, you'll draw near to us. We always got as much of God as we want. You never withhold yourself from us. You always give of yourself freely. All you're asking for us is to open the door and let you in. I pray that we are such people. People who are going to open the door, God, and let you in fully. Allowing the Holy Spirit to do what it does best. To go down deep to where our soul and our spirits meet. And make a transformation. Pull us to be more God centered. Pull our devotions to be on you and you alone. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.